Welcome to Bodcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Bodcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Hi, welcome everybody to this podcast. My name is Siobhan Callagher, I'm a dental hygienist. I'm a personal management coach and a facilitator, and I'm currently studying a postgraduate diploma in positive health at the Royal College of Surgeons, Ireland. I have walked the steps of all the dental team from reception, dental nurse, practice manager, dental hygienist, practice owner, and now mainly doing coaching. So what am I going to do with you today? Well, I want to discuss with you chest side coaching techniques to strengthen the relationship with you and your patients. We as clinicians, we have excellent equipment and different various tools, chair side, you know, from digital probes to the intraoral camera. You know, these days we use clips on iPad and we record oral hygiene on our, on the patient's phone for them to take home so that they can check in with that, you know, um, rather than trying to remember what they're telling them when they're often nervous. So, but apart from all these various tools, really it's about connecting with the patient chair side. And as a dental coach, I use several different coaching approaches and I'm a huge fan of solution-focused approach coaching. So this type of style of approach in solution-focused, it's where we stand in the solution, not in the problem. So I really like it because it's really positive and it works particularly well in the dental setting. Coaching is really about asking the questions and asking those questions in the right way. Everything we do is about building relationships. And as a coach, I build relationships with clients. And as a dental hygienist, I build relationships with my patients. When I went back to study a master's in coaching, I changed my chair side practice to a coaching approach. So what exactly am I talking about? Well. Let me talk you through it. When I qualified as a dental hygienist 20 years ago, I came out of university and I was ready to save every tooth on the planet. And the first day I went into practice, I was given oral hygiene instruction and the lady that I was treating burst out crying. Now, I was really upset myself at this this outcome. And I went to have a chat with the principal and he said, oh, don't worry about it. She probably got a parking ticket or something on the way in and she's just taken it out on you. And that was that. I wasn't really offered any mentoring. So over the years then, I became fascinated in behaviour change and I explored various models around behaviour change. So as we said, coaching and building the relationship is the first important step and I always greet the patient and collect them in the waiting room. And, you know, pre-COVID, I would always go in and shake their hand just to give that contact and that reassurance. But of course, we can't do that since COVID. But I will still collect the patient and I start to re- to build that rapport from the collection in the waiting room right back to the surgery. And then when the patient, I bring the patient in and I seat them comfortably and I always sit face to face with the patient from the beginning of the appointment. 
This allows my patient to recognize that I'm attentive and I'm focused and I'm listening to them and I'm starting to build that trusting relationship. When I go out to coach and practice, I constantly see patients just been brought into the surgery and be told, oh, yeah, hop on the chair there. There you go. How are you today? The chair's going back and the clinician starts looking into the mouth and then they start talking and asking questions. The patient can't answer back. They're trying to answer back, but the mouth is open. The radio or the music's often blaring in the background and it comes across that it's a little bit too much of mayhem, if you like. So now, if you haven't been in the dental chair for a while, I would suggest that you just lie in the chair and have just a member of the team talk to you from the back of their head. And I can tell you, it doesn't feel that comfortable, but I think it would be great exercise for you and your team or you and your colleagues to, you know, each of you to do this or maybe do it in pairs and then do a swap and then maybe come back together and discuss, well, what did it feel like? Some people may say it was absolutely fine for me, but you'll find that when the person's talking to you, you're kind of trying to strain your neck to look at the person. You're kind of left a little bit wide open on the chair. And to me, it definitely doesn't feel comfortable, but I would be interested to see, you know, what did you think about trying that exercise? In co coaching, we use various models and I'm a huge fan of the Oscar model. So the Oscar model, the O is for outcome, S is for scaling, the K is for know-how, A is for action and R is for review. We can use this Oscar model in various situations in life, but one of the ways that I like using this maybe is in the surgery and like say for example, say for example somebody came in for a smile makeover. So the outcome might be, okay, they're looking for a smile makeover, but what exactly are they looking for? You know, is it just whitening of teeth? Is it veneers? Is it a full mouth construction? What exactly is the patient looking for? And on a scaling, maybe on a scaling of one to 10, how important is this to the patient? And the know-how, who else needs to come into this conversation? So if we're talking about a smile makeover. Are the gums healthy? Does the dental hygienist need to be called in? Do they need to see a periodontist? Does an implantologist need to be involved? You know, how is their occlusion? So the know-how is bringing all that know-how, that expert knowledge into this conversation. And then the action is, is the patient ready to go ahead with treatment? Have they been given enough information? Are you ready to pass over maybe to the treatment coordinator that's going to look after this treatment plan and go through financial planning with the patient so that they can, you know, fulfill this outcome that they would like in the dental surgery? And then review is we continuously review our patients. So we're continuously reviewing from each appointment if during treatment or therapy, and then when they come back for recare appointments. So that's just the Oscar model and it's, you know, can be used in the treatment coordinating room as well. So just a really big fan of it. And within the Oscar model, I use motivational interviewing. So this is still continuing this solution focused approach coaching. Motivational interview and brief motivational interviewing is a person-centered goals directed methods of communication for listing and strengthening intrinsic motivation for positive change. 
it's an evidence-based approach. And so like with everything that we do in dentistry, everything that even chair side should be evidence-based approached. Motivational interviewing has been applied successfully within many health professions. So brief motivational interview is utilized in dental settings where motivational interview is conducted in a brief amount of time, some say in around five minutes. There are basic components of motivational interview and there's the spirit of motivational interviewing elements. And Miller and Rawlings says that doing motivational interview without consideration of spirit is like trying to sing a song without music, and it guides the practice like really like a wheel guides a car. So let's have a look at these elements. So we have partnership, acceptance, compassion and evoking. The partnership, well, this is about establishing a positive interpersonal environment that's encouraging. So it's not forcing our knowledge and our dental expertise. Acceptance is about respecting the patient as an individual who has worth in their own right. And it's about empathizing with the patient, but not about, it's not about sympathy, but about empathizing. Compassion is that commitment to promote, promoting the welfare and prioritizing the welfare of the patient. And evoking that, bringing out that information from the patient. Patients provide information what will work for them. And the spirit of motivation, motivational interview is that the patient has it within them what actually is needed. There are four guiding principles uh, in motivational interview, and these assist the clinician in maintaining that rapport. Um, the four principles can rem be remembered by the acronym RULE. So R is for resist. U is for understand, L for listening, and E for empathy. So when we look at resistance, and I definitely, and I'm sure all of you out there in the dental world, we come across resistance daily. And often this can be clinicians have the desire to help and fix what's wrong and taken on that expert role, like we know everything. We have the urge to correct the patient's problem, and it's often just automatic or reflexive habit. But this then can create that negative effect because patients tend to resist persuasion, especially when they are ambivalent about change. We need to understand the you is for understand the patient's motivation. You know, what's the patient's own concerns? What's their values? What's their motivations? What's motivated the patient to come in today? Is it a smile, a whiter teeth, straighter teeth, biofilm removal? Why exactly are they there today? And L is for listening to the patient. This um, is one of the things when I went to do a master's in personal management coaching, one of the assignments was to go away for the first two weeks and just to listen. So I thought, that's kind of an easy enough assignment, off I go. But it was actually a real eye opener just to observe people and not many people were listening. So we often listen to respond. But again, another exercise maybe to do with your colleagues and teams is just to even spend one week and listen to all your colleagues and your team around you without responding. OK, there's certain things you're going to need to ask questions, but somebody's having a conversation with you. Try and just give them that time. 
try and listen and let the conversation play out. Patients have ideas themselves if we truly listen to them. And then there's active listening. So what's the difference between listening and active listening? Well, active listening is really going after those words that the patient might say. So if I think of an example, like say, I say it's a busy mum and the busy mum says, you know, oh, I've got three children and a toddler, you know, and I know it's I know you keep telling me to clean them between my teeth and I know it's important, but, you know, I'm just so busy. So I will have picked up busy mum, three children in school, a toddler. She knows that cleaning in between her teeth is important. So I paraphrase back by saying, so, gosh, you're a busy mum. That is busy. Three children in school and a toddler. So. I hear you're saying to me that you know that it's important to clean in between your teeth. So is there anywhere maybe in the day that that you could fit that in at all? Do you think that's possible right now or is it not something that's going to work right now? What do you think? What do you think might work for you? And this is where the patient will start to come up for something because they're not just they often won't close it down. So often a mum might say, well, maybe when the toddler's having a sleep in the morning, maybe that's the time. So I might say, should we give that a try and see if that, that might work? So giving like little mini experiments to do, to give a trial, and that's just maybe around oral hygiene at home. So it's truly listening to those words and just following up on them. So that's something again, that when you go back to practice today, you could try. Not necessarily chair side, it could be in, you know, as a dental nurse or radio, whoever takes the radiographs or at the reception, it can be used anywhere, really active listening. Another thing when we did the masters in coaching, we were introduced to mindfulness. And this is about really just taking the time out for yourself, but really taking that time to be present when you're coaching a client. Um, I also find that this really works well with patients as well. There's a certain amount of myths around mindfulness and meditation, but, you know, it, it doesn't have to be on the side of a mountain, like with the sun and the yoga pants and all the rest. Really, you know, you just need your head and your breath. And the research shows that positive effects can be observed after only five minutes of practice, twice daily for four weeks. Um, and the benefits are enormous. And there's quite a lot of work going on at the Royal College of Surgeons that's showing different changes in, in the brain scans um, after people do meditation and mindfulness. So that might be something that you want to look into. E is about empowering the patient. The outcomes of behaviour change increase when patients take an active interest and a role in their own care. The patients are definitely more likely to take steps towards change when they're included in the discussion with us and when we and when they take that active role in the decision making. So a checklist for us clinicians in the process of motivational interviewing. So we look at engaging. How comfortable is the patient talking to me? Does this feel like a collaborative partnership? The focusing. Are we, the clinician and the patient, are we working together for a common purpose? Has this patient got goals? Is this conversation like a dance or is it like a wrestling match? Evoking, 
What are the patient's own reasons for change? What change talk am I hearing? Am I arguing for change instead of the patient? And we look at the planning. What would be a reasonable next step towards change? Does it have to be 100% perfect? Or can we take baby steps here? Am I evoking or am I prescribing? Am I eliciting the patient's idea for making the change? I always ask for uh, permission and it just softens the conversation. So like say, I might say, I would like to discuss with you your assessment regarding your oral health. Do you mind if I take a few minutes to go over my findings and address any concerns you may have? Not that I may have, but what you may have. Um, a few, quite a few years ago, I read Sheila Scott's book and it was quite a, a change for me actually, because, you know, from studying from the very beginning and you'll remember at the top of the notes from uh, straight from the university, it was always, what's the chief complaint? And I brought that with me into practice, but what Sheila Scott says, you know, it kind of sets the patient up, they get their back up straight away because you're looking for problems. Which said, why don't you ask, you know, how healthy is everything? So when I started to use that, it was actually a game changer for me. And patients started saying, yeah, I think everything's healthy as they were coming through the door. Um, and that to me, you know, proved that they were, they knew then that I was looking for health. At the end of the appointment, I always ask, what two messages are you taking away today? And some of them look a little bit like the rabbits in the headlights, but it makes them think, OK, what happened in this appointment? Um, sometimes the feedback that I get of the two messages, I, you know, I kind of have to backtrack a little bit and rephrase things that I've said because of the way they've taken it on on board. But it's just maybe something that you could try and see how you get on with that. The other thing is, I suppose the patients get a little bit cuter with me now. They know that I'm going to ask that. So they tend to probably listen a little bit more um, and have those two messages ready for me. Mark Williams from the Oxford University says the mind is like a predictive texting. It often goes right, but as we know, it often goes wrong. For me, I really like this because it makes me stay alert and, you know, not to jump to expert conclusions, but just to go in there with an open mind. I'd like to end this podcast with a, a famous neurologist, Oliver Sacks wrote, I find every patient I see everywhere vividly alive, interesting and rewarding. I've never seen a patient who didn't teach me something new, was stirring me new feelings and nutrients of thought. My message is keep an open mind and curiosity. Thank you very much. Uh, please reach out to me um, on SiobhanKelleher.com if I can help you with any support. Thank you.